You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello, you are tuned in to Very Loose Women. I'm Esther and I'm here with Leo. Good evening. Hello, Leo. And our guest, Edie Whitehead. Good evening. Who I'm very excited to welcome to the show. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thanks for being here. So today, slash tonight, we're going to be talking about home. So I guess when we first arrive in the big old world, we've just left our first home, the big old womb. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And we find ourselves somewhere quite new. And we might hope to feel like we belong in said place. But what if we don't feel like we do? And what if we don't feel like we match a kind of predefined idea of who we are, who we might be? What if? So we're joined by storyteller, campaigner and photographer Edie. Many things there. Who's rewriting the dictionary by showcasing the stories of women and non-binary people from her hometown, Essex. So we'll hear all about that. But first, let's start with celebrations and frustrations. Leo, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I actually had a long rant prepared about my mouth ulcer, but (laughs) you're actually all going to be spared that because... That's a shame. (laughs) I feel genuine sorrow in your heart when you said that. I could hear it. No, so I was checking the post box and Mm. my first ever resonance letter arrived and I was very close to tears. I just want to say thank you so much, Maisie. You have given me faith in humanity and I am so blessed to receive your letter. I was so happy. I was having a pretty crappy day. I've been feeling anxious for a couple of days and it was just like balm to my soul. Thank you so much. So neatly written. Oh, it's beautiful handwriting. We've got a very good listener. I don't think people write probably letters enough anymore. I feel like it's... Yeah, and let's use that opportunity to say that we're at 144 Borough High Street. So if there's <laughs> anyone else who wants to write to Resonance to address it to Very Loose Women, thank you so much. Yeah, please do. Give us a little letter. Tell us your thoughts. Potentially more love, I'd say. That would be more nice. There is always a risk with a letter. It's like if you take the time to put pen to paper, you're either very, very happy with something or very angry. Mm. So it's always a risk when you see a handwritten envelope addressed to you and you're like... What have I done? Yeah. Was that brilliant? Oh, horrible. I'm in trouble, but yeah. I could be praised living life on we the We get edge. a lot of angry messages on our Facebook for people who have watched Loose Women and have issues <laughs> with that. Mm. And it's very much misdirected, but, you know, a message is a message, so I mean, I'm not going to say no to it. You're like, yeah, we'll just sort of shoot the messenger. Yeah. No such thing as bad press, right? Yeah. Edie, celebration or frustration? I guess I... So, uh, one of... The things I do is I'm a campaigner and there's an election coming up and I just think that Mm. the winter is not a great time to be trying to encourage everyone to undertake their democratic, you know, rights just because it's a bit cold, basically. (laughs) It it just feels like there's a lot going on. December's already quite a busy time. I once went to Westfield on Christmas Eve and it was one of the worst decisions I've ever made. And I feel like having an election on the 12th of December is like the democratic version of going to Westfield on Christmas Eve. And I'm already tired. Yeah, just by the thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you're right. Why do you think they've picked this time? What's that about? Just just to screw with us. Yeah. What more could they do? I know. It's just not a good time. And actually, December's usually such a nice build-up, you know? I know. It's just you can't enjoy all the festivities because it'll be, just be... I mean, this is me and my little campaigning bubble but it would just be like crisis and panic over you know registering to vote yeah let alone christmas presents everyone's going to get rubbish presents from me this year like absolute shocking gifts uh, well at least i can blame that on the government yeah absolutely 
yeah. definitely do that rather than my own ineptitude which happens the rest of the time yeah <laughs> well you can just write him a letter <laughs> this that's is true that's a, a cheap way of giving a little lift thanks to lovely Maisie thank you Maisie she's inspired us well mine is a small frustration which we touched on earlier I've been doing some bar work and I'm a terrible bartender I'd like to give that context and my style is just basically too much I'd say it's just not enough to give them that drink and then say goodbye so I was just saying that I heard myself <laughs> say bye love you to a, a group of customers and I think I realised that that was when I just needed to draw a line do you know what I mean just like pop a little boundary in. I do know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> I think that that line should be there it's so hard to draw yeah yeah I also like just find really really difficult sort of like really taking orders from people that's just simple instructions so like one guy was I, I genuinely thought he said I'd like two glasses of garlic bread and he just definitely didn't he just said two glasses of you know your house wine but I couldn't fathom it so I just said yes but then didn't know what he'd actually said and then started to sort of just do other tasks to make myself look busy five minutes later said did you order two glasses of garlic bread do you know what I mean and that's just terrible customer service I've wasted everyone's time where do you work so I can never attend yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lovely little theatre bar. Be be wary, guys. Be wary. Good luck. <laughs> the service is great, apart from when I'm there, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, let's get into our topic today, which is on going home. So, Edie, you've created this really wonderful and thought-provoking Portraits of an Essex Girl, which is a collection of stories of women and non-binary people from Essex. So... What led you to start this? Bring us back to where it all began. That's a great question because I always forget how niche <laughs> this project is. So it began probably with my birth. I was born in Brentwood in Essex, home of lots of the famous Towie things that people are quite well versed with these days. I grew up there until I was maybe 18 and I finished school and I started working in London and then I liked London so much I moved here and I studied here and carried on working here. And I came up against quite a lot of people saying not very nice things about where I was from and I would just at the time put my head down because I was trying to wrestle and find my own my own place and my own meaning and wrestling with my own sense of gender and sexuality and identity and the things that people were saying were very typical of the Essex girl stereotype and then a few years ago I realised that if I'm not standing up for people from where I'm from who are being held to having you know an idea of them held up to who they are in such a derogatory fashion and instead I'm just pretending that I have nothing to do with it, then that's not that's not inclusive and I'm not fighting for where I'm from and it doesn't it doesn't really matter if those people who fit stereotypes like that or I are, are, are so different as we are. What matters is the fact that we're both from a place that gets really, you know, minimised and just seen in one tiny weenie box. So as a photographer I'd be doing lots of interesting portrait stuff and I was like, Okay, one day I'll do something on this and I'll mm -hmm. just I just sat on it for about two and a half years and tried to like find ways to fall back in love with this county that I'd ignored for several years because I was just like, it doesn't serve me in the way that it doesn't really have the people I need. It, I can't really fit in there and tried to find ways I could. And then when I felt like my craft was ready and that I'd begun to really found the places that I could slot into and the people that I felt other people really needed to see and love about the place that I'm from, um, I started to just take their pictures and take down their stories and now the list is endless of people that I'm going to be sitting down and meeting because I think at the end of the day if you fit the stereotype of an Essex girl which if you're listening you don't know you can check in the dictionary which is like being really into 
a certain way of dressing and being really sex positive and entrepreneur and quite loud and quite out there and extremely feminine and also if you don't fit that stereotype both groups of people should be should be you know celebrated and championed um and also like at the same time where i'm from isn't really a homogenous place and mm. it's not free from the isms and that's one thing i found really hard about it was i feel like there are lots of problems that i didn't really know how to fix when i was growing up there and now i'm like well one way of beginning to start that conversation is showing lots of different people like here are all the people who share this land with you we share schools and community spaces and we need to have a shared understanding of each other rather than just you know offering each other own fuel and devices and this that's you know everywhere at the moon definitely it sounds like this is a real celebration of lots of different ways of being a Essex girl and celebrating that which is great what happened in the the two and a half years when you were sort of sitting on the idea what prompted the okay actually now's the time so I guess for a while I was like oh I've said so many horrible things about where I'm from and I spent a lot of that two and a half years just feeling very guilty and I just beginning to ask questions of of people around me so I asked my mum do you think you're still a Londoner even though you've lived away for so long because my mum grew up in Walthamstow and Woodford mm. And she was like, of course not. Like, I'm from Essex. And I was like, no, you're not. London Borough of from Forest and Redbridge. <laughs> and she responded with no, but that like, those areas became London in 1965 when I was seven. So I was born in Essex and I still, you know, I'm from Essex. And you're not the first person in our family to live in Essex, which blew my mind. So I began to have those conversations with people around me and really begin to realise how some people in my life were really affected by the stereotype. Some people were so accustomed to that place being home that they didn't mind, but they were aware that other people didn't see the beauty in a place that they did because it's a, it's a million people strong and it's it's a huge, huge area. Yeah. So Kickstarter partnered up with the Social Art Network this year to support 10 socially engaged artists with crowdfunding and thinking about how to get their projects out there. And I was like, oh, this sounds like a great thing that I could apply for for this project. I was like, oh, well, I'll just I'll just type up a little, little brief and send that over and see what they think. Then I got into the programme and was like, OK, great, this means this has to happen That now. is amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It's been really great working with the other artists on there who are from across the country working on some really exciting public and socially engaged projects, which is always the way I've seen this. So that really gave me the kick. At the same time, I just I felt like, as a photographer and an artist, I did some work earlier this year with a wicked little football charity and I took some portraits of some young female footballers who were like maybe 13, 14. And the portraits were probably some of my best work. Oh, wow. And I was like, I think I'm ready to take this energy and like this time and dedication I've put into this and go and like capture the women who raised me with this artistic style and yeah. craft. What do the women that raise you think of this project? What's their, what's their reaction been? So, I mean, I feel like a lot of people just think I'm a bit extra. Um, like, I go, I go back home. That's uh, not a bad thing. Yeah, true. Um, I go back home or I go back to, like, the shop I worked in when I was, like, 16. Everyone's like, how are you doing? What's new? And I'm like, well, where do I begin? My life changes so much regularly. They've been really supportive. And, like, I've spent a lot of this project actually meeting people who I've never met before from all across Essex, people who, from all different ages, who've had all these different experiences, which has been really exciting. But I think the most nerve-wracking part is I haven't interviewed my mum yet and I haven't interviewed my sister Ooh, yet. Oh, that's a big one. And my sister's like, why haven't you put me in yet? And I was like, I'll get there in time. But I think they are really, generally quite excited that I'm beginning to open up my my views of, of, of home mm. and, and place again. Because for a really long time, I didn't, I didn't really go back and... I think I found it really easy to generalise 
the place I'm from and all the other places around it in this massive county as being not for me and not having my people. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that's probably was a nice feeling for anyone who I left behind. So um, I think there's a quite gentle appreciation from those women of like me coming back and being like, I'm ready and I'm dragging you with me. Well, yeah, you sort of talk about falling back in love with your hometown and this project being like a sort of love letter to home. So do you feel differently about it now than to how you did? Yeah, for sure. I mean, being a teenager is generally hard. So I know that a lot of the feelings I have were like extremely shaped by my formative experiences as a teenager, as an angry teenager. Also, like, wrestling being queer in a very, very heteronormative space, mm. which has changed a little bit now, and it was just as just as social media was beginning to get popular, so I feel like it was a few years before that could have been more instrumental in my life than it was. So it was, it's been a lot of unlearning, but I've just met all these wicked people. Like that, mm-hmm. It's my favourite way to work, is to, like, find all these interesting people who don't know me and I've often met through a person or on the internet and just sit down and talk with them for an hour and ask them questions and like let them just shape the conversation and doing that over and over and over again with all these different people has just shown the like breadth of a place that I just never think I'd I'd seen before even like through spending loads of time on the internet and going to different places you never properly get to like see the see a huge place through Mm. so many people's eyes which has been a real privilege and also, like, I don't drive. So I've spent a lot of time on trains over the last few weeks and months agreeing to interview someone who just lives in the suburban middle of Essex. So I have to get a train and also take my bike on the train and cycle through fields. It's like a long-haul flight. I know, and I'm just like, turning up in all these places that are aesthetically beautiful with all these wonderful people who are just are really nice in the street or turning up to these interesting art spaces or community mm-hmm. spaces and having real frank, honest conversations. It's just... It's like exploring again, which I just never did. I never took the time to think about how beautiful those spaces and people are and can be when I was like 15 and grumpy. Um, and, and like, <laughs> you're not alone. To get out. <laughs> so I think that's great. I mean, I think home is a weird thought sometimes because it's sort of where you're you start somewhere, but you don't really choose it. And it sounds like you've kind of, well. I don't know about falling in, back in love with it, but love's complicated. Um, very true. Very true. <laughs> but you've kind of re-established a relationship with Essex by the sounds of it. Yeah. Leo, do you feel any kind of particular affiliation with sort of where you were born and bred, per se? So those are two different places. Mm. I was born in Paris, I think, strategically, because my parents wanted it to be easy. My dad is French for me to have dual citizenship. Oh, right. And yeah. I think it runs through the mother. And so if I'm born in France, then I get French citizenship without sort of admin trouble. And then I was somehow very soon in the UK. So I grew up until we moved out of that house when I was, I think, five or six uh, in Wittisham, which is a small village in Kent. And then I went to boarding school in Cranbrook, which is also in Kent. But my family were in France. So like home was technically in France, but I was living full time in the UK being raised by matrons and teachers. Matrons? Um, yeah, that's oh. what they were called. They're like the nurses. Um, Did they wear aprons? No. Was okay. this 1942? No, that's just what they were called. Wow. I never questioned. They were like words from my youth. Um, <laughs> matrons sounds like a really scary person that you would never want to no, cross. No, they were actually kind of like one of them was scary, but th- there was one of them was basically my surrogate mother for oh, that's about three and a half yeah. years. Yeah, it was nice. I, I actually really liked it. And then Paris, I guess, is where I was a teenager. So that would be my Essex. And I, the same, I was very grumpy. I didn't have many friends in school. 
if any at times um and I was just like I hated it and when I go to Paris now I get very anxious and I actually have digestive problems this comes up every single episode but one of the things that triggers that <laughs> is being in Paris I, I find it hard to digest food in Paris partly I think because the French are really not strict with dietary requirements and I'm definitely celiac and they do not take that seriously they absolutely love Le Pan they do love that so it's complicated I guess and you now, because you now live in sort of South London. Yeah, yeah. So I moved to London in 2011 and I sort of picked um, this area of South London that I live in. And it was a very conscious decision. Like I went to very strategically every single area of London to see which one I prefer. <laughs> just so, savvy. So I've like very consciously chosen it. And it like a lot of my friends live there and I just, it is my like my home now. And I can't imagine moving out of it. Like it's where where my roots have like I've consciously decided they're here. My partner lives there. Like it's just like where we live together. It's just like a the place where I am and feel at home. Where your life is. Yeah. Although my sisters aren't there and my parents live in different places in France. One sister lives in the States and another in North London. So like no one is attached to that, but I've just I'm just like, Well, me and my friends are here, so this is my home. So is home people or place? or both for me i guess both in that circumstance but i have a strange relationship because of boarding school with missing people so it's never Mm. really people because if someone's not there then i find it hard to miss them immediately like immediately i will but after a few weeks i don't i guess you kind of adapted to being away so yeah exactly yeah as as being your norm yeah at that age definitely rather than i appreciate people being there but I, but if they're not there, then it's unless it's my sisters who I have a very very close bond to. I don't. It's it's complicated. Yeah, well, absolutely <laughs> is. Yeah, I feel like home is a, a weird one because well, my family, mum and dad are both Glaswegian, so I'm the only one that. Doesn't. I find that baffling because you know the because I don't have the accent. I know, yeah. and I'm such. I, I, it I sounds feel... like it should be Glaswegian as well, and you say Glaswegian, so You're it's so even right. more demonstrative of your <laughs> I point. Can, I can absolutely hear like all my family <laughs> saying exactly the same thing as you. Like absolutely true. They're just like, and also things like, I don't really hear their accent anymore because, in a weird way, but my friends are like, oh, it's it's for sure there. They like ring up just so that they could hear my mum be like. Oh, Esther can't come to the phone right now because she's having her sausages, beans and chips. Like, they just want to hear that. And then they'd be like, do you want to talk to Esther? And they'd be like, no, no, Joan, this is fine. This is fine. We just want to hear you say things. But they, I think because both sides of the family are all Scottish and from up there, and we sort of, I was born in London. And I always ask my parents, like, where is where is home for you? Because if you've sort of, like, up sticks and then you've got a, a big chapter of your life somewhere else, whether that's work or maybe building a family whatever that is then does that change what where home is what home is i was saying that my dad always says that home is kind of where certain people are he was like oh basically if if you and your mum are in spain i think that's probably where home is i was like but what if we're moving around every couple of days he's like well then home's on the move your dad sounds like a lovely person (laughs) he's a good egg he's a good egg whereas i'd say for me i've only ever really lived in london apart from uni and I don't know if it's because London is so massive and every part of it feels so different as well that if you move from like north to east you feel like you're kind of moving cities in yeah. a funny old way and it's, it's kind definitely of... many cities yeah and, which is part yeah. of its joy that's why it's great why I love it it's a tricky one unlike my mum my dad and my sister all live in the house that I spent my entire life in until I moved out 
Mm. And but I don't call that home. And if I, I sometimes do just out of habit. And my hairdresser is my sister's best mate. Um, and she was like, "Are you going home after this?" And I'd be like, "Nah, I'm going to London." She was like, "Yeah, I meant that, like in a teasing yeah. way, because of like how I've like." gone on this journey of quite stubborn independence but I I see London as home and I in a very romanticised way I do think like London is quite accepting of a lot of types of different people though not everybody and that badge of honour of being a Londoner is slightly less contested than than other places so it means that it's easier to like gel in and find your place That's but so even yeah. even now I live I live in East London and I live really close to my, my family's roots are my mum's family like East End moved out eventually and hit Essex so when she was helping me move which is her way of reminding me how grateful she is that we don't share a house she was like I learned to swim there that's the roundabout where your auntie had a schizoaffective episode and ran right it naked I used to go to that bakery and I was like wow okay like I'm, I've, I've made the choice to move somewhere that still has such a close knit part of my family history and that's tangible that she remembers yeah. but no one in my family lives there anymore but I feel something quite nice about sharing streets with people who've shared my shared my line in a less ridiculous way than that sounds no I don't think it sounds ridiculous now that you're come, you've come back to it do you think it's partly the having the distance that's made you feel oh, that yeah. way 100% like I have this long big vision dream for my life which is one day having a mortgage oh, and <laughs> I've been thinking about the fact that I'll probably never be able to afford to live in London, which is, I think I'm slowly coming to terms with it, but I've been thinking about where would I go. And part of a, an actual bonus part of my trips around Essex is I'm like, this place is nice and the house prices are affordable. But I'm finding all these pockets where I'm like, oh, I always said I'd never come go back to Essex, but I'd, like, I'd never live there again. It doesn't have my people. And now I'm discovering all these people there that I like and these cities that are interesting and like the seaside, which is gorgeous, and the house prices, which are affordable. And I'm thinking, well, maybe if I, I needed to just be there on my own terms. Yeah. Not saying I'm leaving London anytime soon for anyone listening who knows me and would tell me off for thinking that. But more like, I think for me, home is being somewhere on my own terms, which yeah. sits sort of differently to the idea of people or place and makes me sound a bit like a hermit. But No, no, I think, <laughs> yeah, somewhere being on your own terms. We were talking about home being like an act of decision. Yeah, like you yeah, were saying definitely. With, 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 like, I'm putting my roots here and yeah. no one can do anything about that. And I think London, like you were saying, really lends itself to that. Like, I'd never really thought about it in those terms, but just because it's for everyone, no one's like, I am definitely a Londoner. But yeah. some, a lot of people are, um, but but no one's saying therefore you are not. Okay, also people are in a problematic way, but no one. <laughs> <laughs> I say that as someone who's half French during Brexit. So oh, like, yeah. but it's yeah. I I I feel like oh well yeah. You live here, so you're a Londoner, and you can have that within a month of living here, and that's okay. Yeah, it's the nice. joys that people come with mm. usually from somewhere else, and mm. then it sort of makes a home in a different way. I yeah, guess. yeah. Well, we wish you absolutely all the wonderful best with portraits of Nessus girl because i think Thanks. you're doing really great things and wish that that was in every region in every city to be fair not every region has a stereotype that's so derogatory that it fits in the dictionary but it's a good point it, i do take your point and i do wish to see the same but i guess celebrating the the difference so your kickstarter campaign closes tomorrow it so does. there's one day left to fund ED's wonderful work and you can do that by, you can search Rewriting the Dictionary, Portraits of an Essex Girl and you'll find the Kickstarter campaign. Or just go to portraitsofessex.com. And you can also follow ED at probably Edith on 
all platforms and things. Yeah, follow me and the things I do. Absolutely, 100% please do. So that's it for this one. Thank you, listeners. We've been Very Loose Women. Thanks, John and Resonance 104.4. You can listen to all of our episodes. And until next time, goodbye.